Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Never gets old, and it never gets old being in here with you all. We are coming at you. This is the Andrea K Show coming at you from the studios in beautiful, gorgeous San Diego, California, and AM eleven seventy. And I am super excited to share this time with you all. If you are watching via Facebook Live, thank you so much. Please do watch and share the video with everybody. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Andrea K Show on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. No, I don't snap. I, I barely do what I need to do on Twitter. DJ Carrot Sticks, by the way, thank you for joining me today. DJ Carrot Sticks. <laughs> he, he, for a while, he was nagging me to get on Snapchat, and I, I, I don't snap. Oh, I, I actually don't do it anymore either, so. Yeah, who does anybody snap anymore? I don't really see many people snapping. Still good to, like, see kind of behind the scenes on stuff. Yeah. I don't know, like sporting events and yeah. other events. You can kind of get the perspective from the crowd and stuff. It's cool. All right, well, that's just one more social media thing I won't be doing. Hey, joining me now, usually, you know, I do, like, my opening monologue and kind of get some things off my chest, which is kind of where I got the term dynamite and, and address from. But I got to go right to my first guest because he's actually been on the Andrea K show before and he's got to catch a plane. And this group, Media Equalizer, is doing so much uh, on uh, behalf of the American people and on behalf of the voters in terms of uh, stopping the propaganda machine and the indoctrination of the left uh, mainstream media in cooperation with being the, the spokesperson and the mouthpiece and the propaganda pushers for the establishment, which I consider to be both sides. And they are taking, you know, Melanie Morgan, Brian Maloney is, is my next guest. Uh, he works with Melanie Morgan for Media Equalizer. And you all know who Melanie is. She's been on the show before. She's also been all over the media because she is one of Al Franken's victims. They have decided, Media Equalizer has decided enough is enough with the double standard and the crap from the Democrat Party who, who have been accusing the Republicans of waging a war on women when they really are the perpetrators. And so Media Equalizer, Brian and Melanie and others have decided they're going to take this to the hill. In fact, they're going to take the hill. It, this is going to be something absolutely fierce. You know, I watched recently Hacksaw Ridge and I was thinking about them taking the fight to the hill and I was I was flashing on war scenes. And I think that's about what's going to happen in D.C. Brian Maloney, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Andrea. I love that introduction. Terrific. Yeah. So y'all going to take the fight to the hill, right? And you're going to take the hill? Tell us about it. Well, we exactly. That's exactly what we're up to. And, you know, I'm boarding a plane now to head down there and we're going to uh, confront the swamp head on. And uh, with what we think will be at least a wake up call for those in Congress who uh, have not been uh, transparent in anything that they're doing and the double standard that exists in going after certain members for their behavior and others not. Yeah. And um it, not only is there a double standard in terms of, you know, like we've had, you know, Moore is unfit to sit in the Senate, but then Al Franken, you know, um, he gets to come out and, and um, you know, give some lame apology and then say, oh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm so embarrassed. I'm just going to head to my office and continue to live off, live off the taxpayers. Um, well, that's, yeah. Go ahead. 
No, that's exactly right. I mean, you've nailed it. And the double standard that exists certainly with Franken is that um, he can just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so ashamed. And then he just continues on his way with his uh, term. And then but the double standard that exists, obviously, if he were a Republican, it would be a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, what a lot of people might not know is these recent revelations, as shocking as they are, are really not new to Al Franken. Uh, you know, I no. saw an interview that you did recently. You've been writing about this man for 10 years. Right, there is right. so much about him that has been open and available to anybody who was interested, including the voters that supposedly elected him. But then we know that really, you know, his uh, his election was won uh, based on some fraudulent. I think there was some absentee votes, ballots that just miraculously uh, showed up in a trunk. But but, you know, but, yeah. uh, but tell everybody what you know in terms of your 10 years of research on Al Franken, because something that he did um, in terms of uh, there was something, an article he wrote called Pornorama. Right, there, right. There was stuff he did with his son. Explain Al Franken's history. Yeah, that's what I was talking about on Laura Ingram's show. You must have seen that. And yeah, so he did a column for Playboy many years ago called Pornorama, and it was unbelievable what he wrote about. And it's kind of amazing when you look at, you know, the revelations now and how, I mean, it was kind of foreshadowing the, what I guess people finally woke up and realized that he was now on a family radio program. I don't know how explicit you want me to get about it, but it's, it's extreme kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, more shocking to me than some of the stuff that he wrote about in Pornorama with, you know, about women, which is, you know, not not completely unlike some of the weirdness and some of the disgusting stuff that Bernie Sanders wrote, I guess, back in the day when he was writing about women's fantasies of being raped and stuff. But I was really particularly shocked and probably shouldn't been with Al Franken helping his what his 12 year old son right. write, right. Ar- write a school article on bestiality. Right. And then he made a joke about how he downloaded props, you know, to, to show in class with the other children. Now they all loved it. And I mean, that was really in terms of depravity. That was really a low even for him. And it's funny how that all got buried. And in the 2008 campaign you were talking about, it really was one fraudulently. And the proof that we have is that hundreds of people were actually convicted of voting illegally, not just accused in Minnesota, but convicted of illegally casting ballots in that election. And you know how they do it. They just counted and recounted and recounted mm-hmm. again until they got an outcome they liked. Right. Well, wait, but you say that there were convictions because I don't know if you've, I, I'm shocked and I, I'm hoping you did some verification on that because of hundreds of people who, yeah, actually convicted. I mean, it's very unusual. I mean, I know we always wonder why that can't happen. And yet it did there. Well, so, what, what, what we always hear is that there's no such thing, that that's a myth, that there's any kind of yeah. election fraud and voter fraud happening in America. That's just like we're hearing right now that there's there's no such thing as false accusations, you know, so against the, accusers. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. So in my mind, I think you know, he never really legitimately won that election in 2008 anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got this free pass from the media from that point on to now. And then finally, all the, and as you were saying, I was writing about this stuff 10 years ago, but really no one was listening 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but maybe Bill O'Reilly or a few other people who have been going after him for a really long time. But otherwise, the mainstream media uh, had been looking the other way until it got so bad that now it's a lot harder for them to do that. 
Well, but it, but it, it's but he, yet he's still going to his office today. Ashamed, he well, may be it. doing the walk yeah. ashamed to his office, but he's still right, going to right. his office today. And then you've got Conyers, who used taxpayers' funds, fired a woman uh, allegedly because she wouldn't have sex with him. He used taxpayers' funds to pay her off. Then Koki Roberts comes out and says, "Oh, we knew about this dude a long time ago. Nobody wanted to be in yeah. the elevator with him." And it's like, you know right, what? Right. I'm starting to think, Brian, that these people, you know, we had in San Diego, we had a recall of Filthy Filner because come to find out on top of all the sexual assaults of women perpetrated by that Democrat here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. The Democrats shoved him on us locally because they were tired of dealing with him in the halls of Congress. This is so deep. And I'm thinking that these, uh, you know, I'm wondering if we can get to a point to where anybody who keeps their their mouths quiet about it is going to be considered just as complicit because shame on Cokie Roberts and others who knew. And this is the reason why we're calling this press conference is that, you know, there is the existence of this secret slush fund where they're making payouts on these sex harassment claims and we think that if it's taxpayer money that we should have the right to know who the perpetrators are. We want the congressman named and shamed and we don't care which party they're from. I don't care how many Republicans or Democrats. That isn't going to be a consideration. The consideration is transparency and honesty um, and we should have had that. And then the Washington Times today exposes another slush fund in Congress being used to pay out um, on on non-sex harassment claims but just if you've been kind of just for other reasons, you've been drunk in your office and harassing your, your, I mean, it's just amazing. So there's a whole second fund and they've been paying out of that too. Wow. Millions and millions of dollars and they won't tell us. So we tried to get a number of, of uh, representatives from both parties to attend our press conference on this matter. And some of them, you know, they, they would agree and then they'd pull out. And there's just a lot of fear and nobody wants this lush fund exposed. Nobody wants the names to be named. It's, it's incredible what's going on. Yeah, it is. And and one of the things that, you know, when people were chanting, drain the swamp and lock her up, that I keep saying this over and over, but it bears repeating. That was not a meaningless chant. When the American people, right. they went to an outsider because they know that both parties are corrupt. They know there's a reason why Hillary Clinton was not held accountable and that, that oversight has been nothing but theatrics and show because the Republicans don't want the Democrats held to account because they got their own closet, their own skeletons in the closet that they're trying to hide. And that includes sexual harassment here. And, you know, it's time for the one of the most important things President Trump said on the day of his inauguration to me was he said, today's the day that the government gets returned to the people. And that is absolutely a must. It has become us versus them, the elites not having to live according to the same standards and worse, because if any of these dudes were doing half of this in corporate America where I come from, they would have been escorted to the door immediately. I personally know men that that happened to because it came as a result of my uh, launching an investigation. Well, good for you. And I mean, there's a reason why Congress has an 8% approval rating. I mean, I mean, there is almost universal disgust across party lines for the attitude there, which is more disconnected from the people than I think we've ever had. So getting back to, I know I've got limited time with you. You've got to board a plane. Tell everybody a little bit more specifics about the event, what you guys are going to do, uh, so, what's going to happen, what your goals are, and how they can get more information about Media sure. Equalizer. Okay. Well, we we are having a press conference at the National Press Club tomorrow at 10 a.m., and we are bringing with us Bill Clinton's victims. We're bringing Juanita Broderick. We're bringing Kathleen Willey and a number of others, and they are going to be speaking with us because who better to address this issue than women who have been dealing with this for decades. So that's a key part of what we're doing, and uh, we would love to have your listeners' support as well. Uh, in spirit, anyway, uh, we are hoping to stream the event live on Breitbart, um, and, that's, and we'll have other media coverage from other networks as well. And uh, so we're excited about what we're doing. 
And if anybody wants to uh, see more about what we're up to, it's at MediaEqualizer.com. That's MediaEqualizer.com. And we have our Facebook group, which is called Stop the Scalpings. Mm -hmm. And we have 108,000 members there, and we're taking action. So uh, I would hope that your listeners would join us there as well. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for all you do. In fact, many people have credited Stop the Scalpings, you guys, with saving Hannity because he was in the crosshairs and they were they were attempting through some false accusations in part, uh, false accusations right. of sexual harassment to try to take him down. This is a very important weapon by the left. There was even some young um, uh, reporter yesterday who was saying, and, and I think she echoes so much in the part of, of liberal mindset that they don't care if innocent men lose their reputations and their lives if they can take out some Republicans, which is really what, what's at the heart of this. What, well, that's exactly right. And so there are a lot of components to this, and we're going to pick it all apart. And, uh, you know, we're getting fired up and uh, when we do look out. All right. Well, thanks so much. I'm going to let you go. God bless you for the work that you do, and Brian Maloney, and tell Mel- you, Melanie Morgan hello and that our listeners love her as well. Take good care. Thanks. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got more of this on the other side of the break. This is the Andrea K. Show. Don't go anywhere. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. Every great team has a great coach. Every great coach has a great strategy. Let Al Arias and the AV Arias Company create the winning tax strategy for your small business. Instead of waiting until the fourth quarter to create your tax strategy playbook, don't let the IRS blow the whistle on your financial growth and profitability. Contact Al Arias and the AV Arias Company to set up your tax strategy huddle by calling 619-296-2123 or visit avariasco.com. That's A-V-A-R-I-A-S-Co.com. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. Um, before the break, I was talking to Brian Maloney of Media Equalizer. They are taking the fight to the hill. Somebody needs to, because you know what? This is absolutely astounding to me that where the Republican Party is at. You know, one of the things that President Trump has done is he's really exposed the truth about the Republicans, about who they are, because we have the Democrat Party completely exposed. 
for the frauds that they are in terms of their phony, you know, uh, everything that they've accused the Republican Party of, they are guilty of themselves. And now it's without question. Everything from, you know, the, the them being the party that has taken advantage of and abused women and children from the fact that they're the party of the elitist, big money, cronyism and, and you know, evil greed and that they, you know, they don't care anything about our nation's security because they want an open border, you know, society. I mean, just everything, uh, you know, which in, in the open borders and the illegal immigrant flood of illegal immigration only hurts uh, the 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 low and middle class people that they pretend to care about. And yet, what is the Republican Party doing? Nothing. They they should be coming out and and, and doing what what President Trump tried to do today when he tweeted out and attacked Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and said, you know what, we don't, you know, there's, we're not going to be able to reach any deal because we know what you people are all about. You're about high taxes. You don't care about the middle class. You don't care about helping women. You don't care about anything you claim to care about. So we're not going to be able to reach a deal with you people. Why is President Trump having to do all that on, on his own? Why is it that the Republican Party still hasn't gotten uh, the very agenda items that they themselves ran on for eight years? They were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. They were going to take enforce immigration laws and seal the border and protect national security. And they were going to lower taxes and, you know, and they haven't done anything for this. Why didn't they do that? Why do we still not have Obamacare repeal and replace? Why do we still have Republicans fighting and like people like Susan Collins saying that she she's not going to be able to vote for this vote for this tax bill, I guess, if it if it repeals the Obamacare mandate? Because by and large, the Republican Party is just as much about big government, big spending, high taxation, big regulation, open border, bad trade deals as the left is. They just want to be the ones in control of it. Hat tip to Rand Paul. We got Al, Al Arias who's going to be on in a little bit on the show uh, talking about taxes. Um, but, you know, I, at least Rand Paul came out and said, look, we've got to get something done. We don't have to look at it as though a, a one time only event on the taxes. We've got to get taxes done. There's that. But, and, and, but what's most disturbing to me about it is if, if you listen to the Republicans, they've, uh, they're, they haven't gotten this done because they lost the debate on taxes a long time ago. The left has, has managed to, in spite of the exposure for the frauds that they are, they've done a really good job in convincing the American people that you've got to justify why you should get to keep your own money. And when you hear Republicans coming out and using words like, well, you know, they, we, we can't you know, um, lower taxes on anybody who's wealthy or we can't, you know, do any kind of tax plan that, you know, assist the corporations get have enough money, the wealthy have enough money, then, you know, basically they're saying the same stuff as the Democrats. But worse than any of that, worse than any of that is that we have a Republican Party that for eight has been even longer than eight years for decades now has been pretending that they were the party of oversight, but but most particularly the past eight years. Because at least since um, for a couple of terms now, they've had complete control over Congress, which means they've had complete control over oversight. We know, the American people know, that the term crooked Hillary was truthful. The American people know that she broke the law. They know that she lied to the American people with Benghazi and lied and said it was about a video. They know that she committed crimes in regards to her email scheme. And, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a comma JD to know that Comey was full of crap when he came out and said that, that she didn't have intent. Uh, 
She, everybody know if you, if you paid any attention, she was lying all over the place about her email schemes. We all know that she committed crimes when she deleted 30,000 pieces of government property that was under subpoena. But we now have a whistleblower coming out, this guy McCullough, who came out and says that at the time, this was a man who was a 20-year career official, and he was not some low-level hack behind a desk somewhere in some you know basement office. This was a man who, who oversaw 17 intelligence agencies. He had spent 20 years at places like the FBI and other um, areas in intelligence, he, and he was an Obama appointee who was completely independent, who was doing the job that he was assigned to do as an inspector general. And he goes to Congress, including the Republican leadership, and he says, look, 2,100 pieces of classified information were transferred across her server. 2,100, including 22 pieces of SAP. SAP is classified material that is so classified because it's got sources, methods, locations, names. It is the highest level of our operations. If you watched Homeland, imagine it's Carrie and all of her information out there in, in terms of, of everything that laid out in, in terms of her plans that she's doing with Saul, and that's what was transferred across Hillary Clinton's emails. These SAPs, a four-star general has to pass a lie detector test every time he sees one. 22 of those were transmitted across her servers. And this man goes to the Republican leadership. And what do they tell him? You need to be careful. There are people coming out to get you and your credibility is going to be questioned. That came from the Republicans, basically telling him to be quiet. He goes to Clapper and Clapper says, yeah, you know what? This, this might be, be a headache to the Clinton campaign, who then comes to him and threatens him because they're assuming that she's still going to win and tells him you're going to be fired immediately and other threats ensue. And where is that? The only people that are reporting this is Fox News, of course. And where's the Republican Party? I'm not hearing, it. not one of them is screaming about this today. The biggest mistake, I'm going to say it again, the biggest mistake that Donald Trump did was he named Jeff Sessions as the attorney general. Right now, all you're hearing on the media all day long is about Mueller, who had absolutely, even the LA Times is questioning his integrity because Mueller oversaw and helped hide Uranium One. Mueller was the one who gave the uranium sample to Russia hid everything involved with that, including Rosenstein. He's been given a blank check because, out, because Sessions recused himself unnecessarily. Mueller was brought in in a main attempt to cover up the crimes by the Clinton Foundation. And all we're hearing about all day long is, is Flynn and, and Manafort and all this kind of crap. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton has been allowed to commit crimes against the American people. And I guess because they can't at least prove that somebody lost their life on the, on the field or that that intelligence is being used against Americans, which we don't even know, by the way. But this is astounding to me. This, this makes me want just so angry. This makes me want to join forces with me to equalize and go over there and storm the hill that is Capitol Hill over this. Shame on the Republican Party. Um, before I go to break, I got to bring in my caller, David Weissman, a friend of mine, former military hero, who's joining me all the way from Israel. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrea, how are you? Well, I'm I'm good, um, except that um, I don't know if you saw the reports from this guy McCullough, former in- Inspector General, who went to the Republican leadership and back in first in January of 2016, and then multiple times and reported on this was a 20-year career career uh, official an obama appointee 
who found himself in his investigations that Hillary Clinton, he's the one that that came forward and said 2,100 pieces of intelligence, including 22 of the highest level intelligence were transmitted across her server and he was threatened. And the Republican Party has done nothing about it, David. I don't understand. Um, I even seen on the news where soldiers who basically do the same thing that Hillary Clinton did gets court-martialed. I don't, I don't understand how she can get away with doing the same exact thing. Yeah, I don't understand it either. But it, it comes back to the failures and the corruption of the Republican Party. And there's absolutely no excuse for it. Um, I, my past guest was Media Equalizer, who's going to, they're going to, and, and to try to take the fight on the double standard of sexual harassment as a, as a you know, we've got 250 something uh, sexual harassment claims paid for by the taxpayers, but we're not allowed to know who it is. They're taking that aspect of the fight to Capitol Hill in terms of draining the swamp and exposing who the swamp is. But in terms of the crimes and the corruption, I don't know who's really taking the fight there, David, because Christian Saucier spent a year, was ripped away from his home, spent a year in prison for simply having six pictures on a cell phone. Now he's been on top of spending a year. He, of course, has been dishonorably discharged, has lost every dime of his, of his benefits and his pension, has to rebuild his life with a really bad record now. He has to disclose every time he goes to a job interview that this has happened, that he's a convicted criminal now for six photos on a cell phone. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton actually is, is you know, going around on, uh, on, on a book tour and, you know, sitting on $200 million that she, you know, got while Secretary of State in a pay-for-play scheme. And there's nobody in Washington that wants to hold her accountable. What do we do? Oh, shoot. It seems like we lost, David. Well, I'm going to throw that question out to you all watching. What do we do? What do we do as Americans when we have this continuing to go on? When we have a whistleblower who's who's busted the fact that a former secretary of state committed crimes against the American people and he was told basically to shut up. Um, I got to give a shout out, something I usually do earlier in the show, but I've had guests on the show. I got to say hi to everybody watching on Facebook Live. My buddy German is watching he's he put the initials brb on there i'm not really sure what he meant by that let me know german oh he is um well i'm gonna get back to david in a second gotta say hi to myron uh mccrady he says accidentally on purpose knowingly put classified material on an unsecure outside of government oversight server which is worse than julius and ethel rosenberg who were uh, executed absolutely i agree with that um David, welcome back to the show. Before the phone went out, I was posing the question to you. What do we do when, you know, as Americans, when we've got a government that's this corrupt? What, what do we do with, you know, I, I don't know if you heard me talking about Christian Saucier and how he lost his entire life and his pension and has to start all over again for having six photos on a cell phone. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton's walking around with a bank account over, you know, $145 million just from the Russian Russia deal. What do we do as Americans? I think we need to do a better job in uh, vetting the candidates. You know, really looking to their background, um, to their records, and seeing what have they done, um, any, you know, criminal background or any kind of background in their past. I mean, you know, we are living in really crazy times, and, you know, we need to have the most, uh, you know, really squared away people yeah. to lead our country. Right. I think that, you know, I, I'm, I, I've heard both sides of the argument for term limits. Um, you know, Conyers has been in, in Congress for 50 something years. I mean, you know, offense to anybody older. I hate to sound ageist, but the man can barely walk. 
you know, these these lifetime. I, I think there's so much money and so, you know, behind it's it's hard to get elected into Congress if, if you don't have a big fat bank account. And then once somebody gets in, they tend to stay in because of the power of the incumbency and because of pork barrel, you know, um, legislation that, you know, you know, people are basically selling off their their. Um, I've talked about this before on the show. Cheryl Atkinson did a piece where she talked about committee membership positions and these committee chair p- positions that are basically sold off. You know, they they fundraise from the very um, constituents and the very groups and the very corporations and industries from which they're supposed to provide oversight. So it's this nasty, it's, it's really all about big money that keeps these career politicians in. That's why we need more, I think you're right on that we need more good candidates. And I think what we need is more people like Donald Trump that come from the outside. They're not looking to be career politicians. They've got enough of their own money that they're not looking to use Congress and their time in Washington as a way to line their pockets and get fat. I mean, you look at all these people that go to Congress with hardly any money, and by the time they get out, they're living in mansions, and they got, you know, like Maxine Waters, who's been a career Congresswoman. She's worth $77 million. Wow. Mad Max? Yeah, I mean, it just... Yeah, it's crazy. I want to shift gears, though, onto another topic. In terms of holding people accountable, if we didn't have Judicial Watch, uh, we wouldn't know of anything that was going on. They are primarily um, the ones that have gotten a lot of information. Uh, had tipped, uh, you know, of course, we've got the whistleblower like McCullough, but in terms of a lot of what we found out about Hillary Clinton and what was going on, like with the pay for play schemes and stuff that was going on with the FBI investigation, we found out from Judicial Watch. Um, they also uh, represent other, you know, individuals and other causes besides just holding elected officials accountable. And I don't know if you've heard this story, David. You are a, a U.S. military uh, veteran. Um, there is Judicial Watch has filed a lawsuit on behalf of a grieving father who is suing the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the Army to award a Purple Heart to his son, Sergeant Joshua Berry, uh, who suffered injuries in the Fort Hood terrorist attack. And um, after the terrorist attack, um, he suffered PTSD and later committed suicide because he never recovered from it. I think in part because President Obama refused to declare that as a terrorist attack. He called it workplace violence. He did not want, of course, anytime there was a terrorist attack, the first thing that he would do is he would come out and, you know, defend Islam. Uh, After Benghazi, he famously went, first of all, he lied about it being about a video, and then he went and said the future does not belong to those who slander the prophet. So this was a man who had a lot of personal as well as political reasons for not being honest about the terrorist attacks that happened in this country. So he calls it workplace violence. And not only did that do us a disservice as a nation, but it did a disservice to those who were injured, lost their lives and their families. No Purple Hearts were allowed to be awarded. They, they didn't get any monetary awards or any benefits that usually go to um, those suffering. So um, Judicial Watch has filed a lawsuit on behalf of, of this family. And, uh, you know, I know that I didn't tell you about the story before you called in, but, you know, I'm praying that this family gets, a, gets the Purple Heart that this man deserves and that the, those victims who suffered in Fort Hood, that they finally get this declared as a terrorist attack. As a military veteran, how do you feel when you hear this kind of a story? And, and it infuriates me because you know Islam uh, back in nine eleven, or even actually prior to nine eleven, when um, 
uh, the Marine barracks in, back in 99, declared war on America, declared war on American way of life. So we've been at war with Islam for so many years. Mm-hmm. And for Obama to not say, hey, it's Islamic terror I mean, as a military person, that's your commander-in-chief. You know, he's supposed to be the most supportive person outside of the military to really have your back. And, you know, for a common sake, I feel like it's bad in the back because um, you're, you're loyal to the president, you're loyal to the mission. And, it's, I mean, I, I can't imagine how what the family is going through. Um, it, it angers me. It's an un, an unjust. It was a flat-out terror attack in the name of, you know, blah, blah. Yeah, um, and 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 this was and for President Obama, he lied. Calling it workplace violence for Fort Hood is just as egregious to me as blaming Benghazi on a video. It is propagandist. It is lying to the American people, and we cannot win this war when we can't be honest about who the enemies are. And shame on it! Shame on President Obama for his constant apologies when I don't remember how many people lost their lives at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Uh, the local authorities had the Council for American Islamic Relations, a front group for Hamas and an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation trial, come to the microphones and while bodies were still bleeding out, uh, defend the ideology of Islam. And, you know, President Trump in part was elected to stop this kind of apologizing for the enemy and being honest about what we face. And it's in it, it, you know, when we have a volunteer service and heroes like you who join Join up because they believe in defending this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We shouldn't have domestic enemies in the form of government officials who refuse to declare who the enemy is in terms of terrorist groups who want to destroy us. So, you know, I. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard last question for you. I don't know if you heard that ISIS is now threatening. Uh, I think the threat is against New York City. They've got um, a propaganda out there in the form of pictures of Santa Claus standing next to a bomb. Um, but, you know, I, it, it there was a time post 9-11 in which I would have felt probably a little bit more confident in our law enforcement and, and first responders and intelligence communities to keep us safer than I do now. Because when you had Pre- President Obama working with Mueller from the FBI, scrubbing our intelligence communities of anything related to radical Islam in terms of their, we had uh, Richard uh, Pearl, who was pulled off of investigating the mosques, which he thinks could have uh, saved us from the San Bernardino attack. You've got, they failed us with stopping the Sarnayev brothers who Russia warned us about. It, you know, it was the, the, uh, Pulse nightclub shooter was uh, known to local authorities. Nadal Hassan with Fort Hood had Warrior for Allah on his business card. You know, I, I, I wish I could feel more confident as an American. Um, you know, you're over in Israel. You guys are considered to be the tops in terms of defending against and identifying uh, terrorist attacks. Um, tell us about that in terms of um, you know, how do you go about, I guess, is my question. <sighs> this is kind of oh, new to America. Funny. It's kind of new to America to have to be on guard, to have to worry about walking down the street or being mowed down by a truck or going to a mall and having a bomb go off. But this is kind of what Israelis are used to, right? Exactly. And one of the great things about having a leader that is not uh, politically, politically correct actually said, hey, it is okay to profile. 
um, you know, we, you know, we admit there is a war against Islam, you know, and I know so many people outside of Israel keep saying it's about land, but no, we know here it's a religious war trying to wipe out the state. So, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is saying, you know what, Paul Fowlman, yeah. he's always going to be alert, you know, have pepper spray on here. Yeah. Um, and have gun laws here in Israel. It might be a little strange, but the gun laws here are very responsible to have qualified shooters. And it shows, if you actually do research, it actually shows that people who have guns actually save lives um, from paradise here. And we have a really good security system. We, you know, which people would actually live, you know, work with us instead of contending us because Israel thwarts terror attacks almost on a Daily basis. Daily basis. I've seen the report. Yeah. All the time. Every time. And there's only maybe like one or two a month that the terrorists will actually um, um, succeed. Somebody and murder somebody. Yeah. Compared to all the, the attacks that we have, I mean, it's amazing what Israel does. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a way of life, you know. It doesn't. You're right. It, I've got to. I've got to leave it there because I've got to move on to my next guest. But you're right. It doesn't have to be a way of life, and this didn't have to be a way of life here. We it, it, and it, a lot of this is self-inflicted. We are a free nation, and you know we do we do allow people to come here, but we didn't have to get to this point after nine eleven. It's absolutely ridiculous that we have people arguing, including Republicans like Paul Ryan, that you know stopping people from coming from terrorist-infected countries, infested countries with no ability to vet why they're coming here and whether or not you can't tell from looking at a Muslim or or talking to a Muslim whether they're going to be the type of Muslim that's going to coexist uh, peacefully or whether or not they're going to be the ones that are going to be like Nadal Hassan or like the one from Pulse nightclub whose whose parents came here as immigrants and it's just absolutely mind-numbingly stupid to me that the American people have gone down this path of political correctness and handing over our country on a platter of political correctness as Nani Darwish said got to leave it there David Weissman thank you so much for calling in Welcome. Thank you for having me on. All right. Going to take a real skinny little break. Then I'm going to come back and I've got Al Arias in with me to talk taxes. Don't go anywhere. More of the Andrea Case Show coming up. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Every great team has a great coach. Every great coach has a great strategy. Let Al Arias and the AV Arias Company create the winning tax strategy for your small business. Instead of waiting until the fourth quarter to create your tax strategy playbook, don't let the IRS blow the whistle on your financial growth and profitability. Contact Al Arias and the AV Arias Company to set up your tax strategy huddle by calling 619-296-2123 or visit avariasco.com. That's A-V-A-R-I-A-S-Co.com. 
Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. How's it all going? Well, it's uh, cool out here. <laughs> Hanging out. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Andrea. You can tell by the excitement in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Isn't that good? Well, let's cut to the chit chat and talk taxes. <laughs> you know what? Before we got to do that, though, Al is a man of the world. I don't know if you guys know that. So I got to talk about a little world news beforehand. I got busted on Facebook yesterday, Al, because I was like, I don't give a stink that Harry is marrying and got engaged to some D level actress out of Hollywood. And, you know, I don't know if you're following that, but... She's multiracial? Well, well, that's part of why I was aggravated. First of all, I was aggravated with all the hoopla because it's like, you know, who cares? You know, I'm an American. I mean, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we come over here and start a new country because we didn't like that monarchy and all their crap? Okay. <laughs> Second of all, you know, I mean, the idea of bowing to any human, to me, I just find it offensive. The whole thing of royalty that you've got these, you know, poor people in poverty having to bow to these people. I mean, come on. It's just gross to me. Then on top of it, it was as though the excitement is all only founded because he chose a biracial woman instead of choosing a white woman like that would have been a sin i mean it's like ridiculous i mean i look at her and i think she looks italian or whatever i mean you know it's like why focus on that she's gorgeous he's cute other than that i don't care about either one of them you know but people are like oh you know like it's like wrong of me that you know i'm not all into it thoughts you don't care about this tough topic any more than well, I do. I'm a Latino guy. I mean, come on. Come on what? I mean, the whole idea of uh, inner race, you know, I, I married an Italian woman. Uh, Who's gorgeous, this, by the way. That was number one. Yes, I saw pictures. Okay. And uh, then this time around, it's a Spanish woman that was born in Mexico. Who's also gorgeous. Yeah. Well. She is. <laughs> But the point, oh, and then my granddaughter is uh, is engaged to a mixed-race guy. Uh, they're out of San Francisco. That tells you what the program is there. Oh, he's uh, liberal? My my daughter and her daughters are very liberal. Oh, okay, yeah. Very. Yeah, oh, yeah, you mentioned San Francisco. That's the first thing that I think about. <laughs> but see, to me, I, I'm one of these people that doesn't, I don't even buy the concept of race. So I hear biracial, and I'm like, what is that even supposed to mean to me? I don't well, even race, understand. Race is a fact. How and is it so a fact? It's it, it, a it, fact. How is it a fact? I don't want, I got to talk about tax, but I got a bunch of, how, how is it, what, <laughs> what makes somebody a different race? Because our skin color is different. I'm blonde with green eyes. My sister has your hair color and, and your just hair look eyes. look the dictionary. I mean, this is just how it is. So denial about oh race doesn't exist. I don't. I, I mean see, that, I don't. That's, I, that's not a place to be. Why? I think race exists. 
and we coexist. I think it's just geography myself. I don't really, you know, I, I, I have no idea even what I am. I know from my mother's well, side. Well, geography exists. Well, geography exists, but, you know, that, that doesn't make somebody a different race because you look at the continent of Africa and you look at all the different people running around there who look all different. You know, they're still at. So to me, you know, when you really start getting into the second and third level questions on it, it, I mean, just, it starts getting nonsensical. Woman. I know. we come up with stuff like this? I mean, it's just pure denial. It's, how Let's is it just denial? deal with the facts, how they are. Well, I think that, uh, I, I, to me, I think, it, it, I, I don't agree with the concept of race. I think it's a man-made construct, is what I think, it meant to divide us into boxes for political power. That, that's how I view it. That's how I view it. So, well, anyway. yeah, race does create political power. Yeah, so to me, that's only value why anybody's even talking about it. When, you, when you've had so many people mingling together and all, you know, uh, you know, I have no idea what percentage I am of this or what percentage I am of that. I mean, and I don't even care. To me, it's nonsense. That's that's what I mean. It's just it's to well, me, it's nonsense meant for political either. power. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, people people look at me and think that because of some of my bone structure that I must be of Eastern European descent. They don't realize that a lot of my bone structure actually comes from the American Indian side. The Creek Indians, you know, had the green eyes and the blonde hair and stuff. My mother's side. She oh, comes that's from how American, you have the high cheekbones. Yeah, she comes from the American Indian side. My dad's was a Kirkland out of Ireland, but they were like the black Irish, I guess, which is why he's so dark. And, I, and then I start to get annoyed with all this. The who looks what? Well, and to me, it's all nonsense. Um, and, and to me, it's all about political power. Um, the government has grown and grown and grown and grown. You know, I started by talking about we came here to get away from government and be involved in all aspects of our lives. And now it's just continued to grow to the point where it, that's what taxes are all about. You can't, you get taxed every time you take a step, go anywhere, do anything. It's gotten completely out of control. Uh, the government's gotten out of control. We've got a fight going on right now because of something called the CFPB, which is some consumer financial protection body or board that came about because of Dodd-Frank, which is a total disaster. People don't even know how much of a disaster it is because of what it's 30-something hundred pages long. And it, it came about because of Elizabeth Warren. The CFPB did, yeah. And what is she all about? She's about Marxism. She's about complete government control. And let me tell you, it, you know, it, it still is Marxism, even if they don't own the pink slip, because if they control every aspect of your business, basically government's in control of your business and owns it. And that's really what this is about. So I guess, I didn't even know about the CFPB, but I guess they tried to circumvent the Constitution by acting as though it was so independent that they had the right to come up with their own, kind of like the royal monarchy, that they had the right to determine leadership um, from a current basis as well as succession. And then Trump's like, well, hold up. And I'm putting my own dude in. And he shows up with some donuts and puts his name on the door. And he's like, see ya. Well, I think uh, we haven't heard the end of this. And it's uh, <clears throat> it's going to court. Yeah. And that's a place where it's going to die for at least a couple of years, maybe more. Uh, because that's the court system. And uh, when it goes to court, guess what? The litigant chooses, they choose the, they choose the venue. They're going to choose a very liberal environment, and it's probably not going to go good for our president, our Constitution like that, for starters. Well, we'll see, though, but because supposedly gets, the judge... When it gets to the Supreme Court, yeah. if it gets to the Supreme Court... Mm -hmm. there's likely to be a different result. Well, except that, you know, you can't, 
the Democrats always get it right. When they appoint a judge, they're always their rulings are always far you know left down the line. The judge that's actually supposed to be hearing this is a Trump appointee. We get it right about sixty percent of the time. So you know we'll see what happens. Okay, so tax reform, which is your expertise for those who don't know. Well, um, well I'm curious about what court uh, the filing is in. I don't know. I don't know the the court number of the district court, but I did hear on the news this morning that it is a Trump appointee, and you know there's been a lot of vacancies, and that's been a kind of an underreported story about how many vacancies at lower level courts and at district courts and at um, appellate courts that Trump is is nominating, and the left has been t- fighting that to try to keep them from getting seated, but it's a Trump appointee. Well, even if it goes. Uh against the uh, complainant, the, I guess, or the uh, plaintiff, mm-hmm. uh, even if it goes against, there'll be another venue. Mm-hmm. What circuit does it go to? It's not going to go to the Ninth Circuit. It's going to go to a circuit back east, which, you know, is not as crazy as our Ninth Circuit well, if out it's here. The, but if it's the Washington, D.C. Circuit, it's very liberal. Yeah, they're not as bad as the Ninth, but they're bad. So taxes. So some sticking points um, on taxes is one that I want you to address. We've already talked about before the fact that there, you know, Congressman Issa agrees with me. He did not vote for the tax bill in the, in the House that um, removes the deductions for state and local taxes. Even if you do not agree that that will impact people, it will. Even if you don't agree uh, that it's a disaster in some ways for us to not be allowed to deduct property taxes or, or have it be at a certain point of your property values, uh, cutting it in half, that that's going to impact negatively our housing industry. I think it absolutely will. Um, but we've already addressed that a couple of times on the show. What I'm hearing now that's a sticking point that I'd like you to explain, because it's obviously a really big issue, is this pass-through thing. Because one of the things that the American people trusted from Donald Trump was that he understood business, that we needed to jumpstart this economy, that tax breaks for businesses were the way to do it. You don't have to have a degree in, in economics to understand that, you know, the government ain't the one hiring, that, you know, the private sector is what really, you know, is what our economy is based on. Johnson is saying he may, and every vote is critical. This guy Johnson is saying he may not vote on it because of something called a pass-through tax. Well, I don't know that there's a pass-through tax, first of all, we don't have a bill. Uh, all we have are proposals. And these proposals, I, I started out, uh, I think the last time I was on the show, saying this this bill is anything but simple. Mm-hmm. And here's still another example. Yeah. So uh, the way, the, the pass-through idea goes like this. If you are making more than, right now, $470,000 taxable, Mm -hmm. your marginal tax rate is Mm 39.6. Okay. Okay. So now if income passes through Mm -hmm. and you already have all of that uh, taxable income, income greater than 470,000 under current law, Mm -hmm. which is going to be different under the proposed law, but this is the example. Then you're, let's say that you made $100,000 $100,000 in your small business mm-hmm. taxable and it passes through that 100,000 tax on to the rest of your taxable income and arguably gets taxed at 39.6. Mm-hmm. The way I understand it, proposals are no, that pass through income is going to be segregated. Okay. That's what we that's what makes this code 
the one that we have, mm -hmm. so complex yeah. because there are so many uh, segments that get taxed differently. Right. Portfolio income, passive income, capital gains, dividends, mm -hmm. okay, all that kind of stuff. So it, 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 what, what you're doing, what the tax expert does is try to classify okay. income so that it gets taxed at the lower rates. Okay. The lower rates are said to be about 20%. How evil of you to try to help corporations pay less money. <laughs> Tell well, people what the advantage well, is. Well, corporations Here's include S-Corps. So the whole idea of s oh, this is advantaging corporations. Oh, advantaging no, the, come on. It, yes. There's Everything is It's so complex. It breaks up. Into are you an S corp? Are you a C corp? Mm -hmm. Are you disregarded? If you're disregarded, mm -hmm. right, which is a single member LLC, mm -hmm. can be a disregarded entity. Mm -hmm. It's easy to defeat the disregard if it's not to your advantage. If the law goes through and it it, it goes through the way um, it appears to be going. Mm -hmm. then there's not going to be any more disregarded entities. Otherwise, right. you don't get the advantages right. of pass-through treatment. All right. So advantages of pass-through treatment. Okay. Okay, because that income is said to be taxed separately okay. from all the rest of your okay, income. Okay, got to wrap it up because I don't want to get too into the weeds and have people's eyes glaze over. Well, this is awful stuff. It's really complex. It is complex stuff. And that's why I kind of am thinking that Tom McClintock might have been on the right track and said, you know what, this is all overly complex. It's a bunch of crap. Leave everybody's deductions currently in place and just reduce everybody's taxes all across the board 1%. And then, oh, by the way, government, if you're worried about deficits, how about you cut spending? Why do we even have something like this CFPB that's completely independent, some rogue independent body that does nothing well, but overregulate? How, how effective were they on Wells Fargo? Wow. <laughs> so you have a gatekeeper that doesn't keep the gate. Exactly. And, and it's it's nonsense. And the, the, the real problem that we have in this country is not taxes and that, we're, and that the government isn't getting enough revenue. It's spending and they're not doing enough. In fact, well, I think no, next the real show, problem I we have is overregulation. I know. I'm talking about revenue versus spending in the deficit. Yeah. 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 Um, so next time when I come back, I may want to um, actually have us do a couple of actual scenarios. Could you, like, without naming a business next time you come in, just kind of give, like, an overview of what the tax proposal, how it would impact a business of, of a certain revenue, a small business, and kind of give us, like, a, a, you know, an example, a real world, real world example of the new proposal? Slam dunk. Oh, oh. Mr. Confident. <laughs> Mr. Confident. All right. That's all areas. Okay. Now, final few minutes here. I got to get into my hero of the week and my stink of the week. I think the stink of the week is pretty dang obvious. It's the Frankens, the Conyers, who, you know, have been looking down their nose, particularly Franken, looking down his nose at all these con these congressional oversights, you know, and or, or going on the media and all these media, like Charlie Rose, who's been Weinsteining women all over the place, Conyers, who's been showing up in meetings in underwear, these liberals who've been accusing the Republicans. Remember, Mitt Romney got completely destroyed over a comment about 
binders full of women, which was clearly a reference to resumes. And, you know, the, the Republicans allowed the, Repu- the, the party and conservatives to be smeared as a party that hates women. Meanwhile, you've got the stench, the stench coming out of the Democrat Party going all the way back to when Ted Kennedy left a woman for dead. And the Democrats continue to vote that man into office. The stench of what the Democrat Party has done to women is overbearing. It's ridiculous. And there needs to be something done about it, as well as any Republicans that might be a part of that little secret list that that was a part of $17 million taxpayers money being paid out. Now, my hero of the week is not new. This uh, this outfit is not new to the Andrea K. show. It was actually brought to me as a suggestion by my friend Doug Kaiser, I think a year or two ago. And it's wreathsacrossamerica.org. This is the organization that lays wreaths on every grave of a military hero who gave their life and service to the country at Arlington. They're, they're $25,000 short this year. They need to reach their deadline by Friday in order to be able to have a wreath on every um, on every grave. And they're, they're short this year in part because, you know, the American people are so generous. And when you've got Harvey, when you had, I can't remember the name of the hurricane in Florida, then you've got Puerto Rico. We've just had so many natural disasters and the American people, you know, it's holiday time. People are tapped out, but I can't think of anything more important than honoring our heroes, you know, like heroes like David Wiseman, who's on the show, heroes like um, the Sergeant Barry, who gave his life after being victimized by a terrorist attack at Fort Hood and wasn't given honor by the United States government for that. My heroes are also you guys. So by the way, it's wreathsacrossamerica.org if you want to donate. It's $50, $15 to donate. I'm going to be sure to do that. My heroes are also you out there who join me on the Andrea K. Show every week. Thank you to Brian Maloney. He's a hero with Media Equalizer. So is Al Arias and DJ Carrot Sticks. Yeah.